Hello, naughty monkeys. You know what? Not only are the folks at AdamBendeve.com sweethearts for sponsoring this episode and therefore helping me get to conferences and such to procure more information and knowledge for your brain spaces, but they're also offering a kick-ass deal to listeners. So it's a four-part sweet deal, but super important. If you go to AdamAndEve.com, shop around, you got to remember to type in sex nerd at checkout to get 50% off almost any item. Free shipping, three free adult DVDs, and an extra super secret special gift. Who knows what it is? And FYI, because I know folks think about this, in terms of packaging and credit card statements, adamandeve.com sends your goodies in plain unmarked packaging. I know that people worry about this, so I just want to make sure. Uh, only their address is on the return label. And on your credit card statement, it will say Adam Mail, Mail M-A-I-L, which is pretty unassuming too. So if you're a shy monkey, no one will know you're doing the grown-up. So, go to adamandeve.com, type in sex nerd at checkout, and get four awesome bonuses. 50% off almost any item, free shipping, three free DVDs, and a super secret gift. That's just awesome. Hey, just a little date announcement. Guess what? I have never taught in San Francisco before, and this summer, my first time, I'll be teaching at the Good Vibration Store on Polk Street, July 23rd, it's a Monday, at 6.30 p.m., I'm going to be talking about my favorite subject to teach in workshops, which is booty basics. Uh, it's my favorite because it's such an interesting topic and there's so many feelings around it and I just get very geeky with the anatomy and cool tricks to get in there. So come on down. Um, it's going to be a ton of fun and it's uh, $20 in advance, 25 bucks at the door. There's going to be a link on my site and I'm going to embed a link uh, on the Nerdist post. So, hey, come on down. It'll be fun to meet you. And we'll laugh and learn together. Yay! Okay, enough of me talking about this. Let's talk about this other stuff. Enjoy the episode. Now entering Nerdist.com Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Dave. Sandra. I'm really excited to have everyone listen to this episode. Oh, yeah? Yes. This is the episode I recorded at ASECT with a, a fabulous person named Chelsea Wakefield. Mm-hmm. And th- she's, we're about to get into some like Yoda like level shit. Oh, in, yeah? Yeah, in terms of like sexual ninja relationship skills like hardcore that's what's happening today on this episode sexual ninja relationship skills what does that mean it's like she just blew my mind i mean like yeah we can talk about sex skills all we want and like how to give a better oral sex experience but and today we're talking about ninjas yeah <laughs> you don't even know they were there they just yeah. like touch you you just had sex <laughs> surprise and it was consensual somehow <laughs> And they left through the window. Um, I Chelsea is going to be talking about uh, sexual archetypes, which sounds n- like like so, right? Like okay, sexual. No, archetypes. it sounds hardcore. Does uh, it? Well, yeah. the word archetype to me was like you know the cheerleader, the nerd. You know, like archetypes. I, I think about storytelling and just types of characters you see. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it's. It's like groundbreaking in terms of how you can decide to change the archetype that you tend to play. And like, I started thinking, like, what are my my sexual archetypes? You know? Do you know? I started to think about it. Like, well, okay, I want everybody to listen to the episode, then we can talk after about. So, uh, we're gonna t- listen to the episode and then talk after about like some of the stuff that she she mentions in the episode, so you guys can totally be on the same same page. It's it's crazy. Anyway, first though, just aside. Dave. Yes. Next week is our live show. I know. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's the year anniversary. That's right. Of the whole podcast. It's crazy. It's been such a year. I know. I'm Uh, pregnant. (laughs) Oh, that night, that bottle of wine. I know. Nine months ago. I had sex with a bottle of wine and now I'm pregnant. (laughs) Nine months ago. Uh, And now I'm finally pregnant. (laughs) Oh, right, because, yeah, that doesn't... Okay. Yeah, yeah. You don't um, have to wait nine months for the pregnancy to start. But uh, if you're an 
And Katie just recently exposed me to a whole new like bit of information about like where our listeners are that I didn't realize we had access to. So it turns out we have a lot of LA listeners. Oh yeah, yeah. I bet. Well, like because they're a little shy about being like. I... Sure. Plus, there's so much to do here. Well, you never know. A lot of the people who will write and whatnot are like from far, far away. And so I don't have a good pulse on like just who's walking by me on the street who happens to listen to the show. But when I looked at the the numbers, I was like, oh, you guys are like totally like next door. (laughs) Like I didn't realize. That's so cool. Yeah. So uh, July 27th is our anniversary show. And I'm having my, um, I would say like my sensei in terms of like, crazy sexual escapades who is my best friend yvette baker um, okay and she is a ridiculously good storyteller i mean like pee in my pants like crying a little bit because it's so funny oh that's great yeah so she's Can't gonna be on the show it. and we also have a super secret guest who is a 95 percent confirmation you know but they're like extra famous so you know you never know what's gonna happen but i'm pretty sure they're gonna be on the show bill cosby <laughs> and if you listen to the nerdist network um podcasts you may be yourself a little bit um if they are able to come because yeah so Dave. oh man who is it can't tell you i mean i guess i could but you like, already told me <laughs> <laughs> that's right i didn't email you well because i don't want people to get well you can get pretty excited should i just tell people no no it's a secret yeah it's a secret okay, it I, be a secret okay fine a secret. i want to be like, recorded okay, we can let them know next okay, week that's true um, well, no, because actually, funny enough, this is going out on July 18th, so we would be announcing it by the time people are listening to it, so. Really? Yeah. There's another episode coming out before the live show. True, but most people don't listen to it right when it comes out. They usually, like, will wait till the weekend. Oh, or, I didn't you know. think of that. Yeah, so we usually try and give it a. I'm still in TV brain. No, it's okay. But so, because I can edit this part out if it <laughs> if it doesn't work out. Sure. Uh, Chris Hardwick is going to be on the show. What? Yes. So the Nerdist leader himself is going to be at the live show. So July twenty seventh, come on out. The guy from Singled Out. <laughs> Stop it! Oh my god, <laughs> punch you in the face! <laughs> oh my god. Uh, no, I. <laughs> Oh man, the first time I was on a show with him, there's no way he would remember this. I I was hosting and I asked him what he wanted me to say about him and I was like, he was like, say Nerdist and all this stuff and I was like singled out and he was like, God, I hope people are over that. (laughs) And they are, but I'm going to say it forever uh, because I think it's funny. No, I mean, and there is, I mean, people still go, oh, yeah, that show, I remember. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, but, um, but no, I mean, Chris Hardwick is an amazing human being, and he's hilarious, so I look yeah, forward to that. Yeah, he's one of my favorite comics, So yeah, sure. So, yeah, come on out, July 27th, uh, 7.30 p.m. We might even do a little pre-comedy this time for the anniversary show. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, also, Bay Area folks, I know that you guys are extra awesome up in San Francisco in that area. July 23rd. Right a little bit earlier in the week, I'm going to be in San Francisco teaching a booty basics workshop at Good Vibrations on Polk Street. Wait, really? Yeah. Wait, on July 23rd, Monday, July 23rd. Yes. What time is your thing? 6.30 to 8.30. Really? $20 online, 25 bucks at the door. It's going to be so much fun. I love teaching that class. I, that's interesting. I This is uh, a 95% confirmation for me, but I uh, should have a show at the Punchline that night. What? <laughs> Yeah. Are we going to like carpool? Probably, <laughs> should probably carpool. Yeah. I'm actually thinking of flying uh, oh, okay. just to get home for work quicker. Oh, okay. But uh, but I hope we can carpool. That would be awesome. Because right, I'm coming in. When are you going back, up there? Well, I'm coming back from Japan like July 20th, that Friday. And then at some point I'm going to head up to San Francisco, maybe fit in like a sexy party or something. I wanted to go up possibly. on Saturday. Really? Yeah. Well... Well, wow. geez. <laughs> that's so crazy. That's really and, uh, my show will probably be at eight, so I can see the beginning of your thing, and you can see the end of my thing, and Whoa. that's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, uh, so that's some date stuff, and uh, uh, what's our time right now? Oh, seven. Oh, you. Um, P.S., we just had a photo shoot, Dave Ross. We did. Naked. <laughs> not naked. Dave, for the record, is way better at photo shoots than I am. Sandra is insecure. She is fantastic. You were great in the photo shoot. 
Like my shoulders started out like up near my ears, and then slowly as you look through the pictures, I relax. Like I'm just like ah, I'm ah. Uh. But that's good though. But it's not. I realize it's not insecurity though. I mean, okay, there's there is a level of insecurity. Uh huh. But there's also like weird. I have okay. Like Chelsea's about to talk about the gatekeeper archetype which is when you don't allow yourself to be a certain way in the bedroom or in a relationship or whatever because there's something like i shouldn't be like that or oh good girls Mm -hmm. don't do that that kind of you know uh i wouldn't be a nice guy if i did that that sort of stuff and one of my gatekeepers applying this to the larger aspect of life is there i have a certain amount of shame and weirdness around kind of um being like this is who i am look at my face look at my face look you know i'm important yeah like i have weird like I have intense shame around like I just really like being humble and kind of like I, I like hiding in the shadows a little bit. So it's like odd, kind of odd to photo shoots. I had a photo shoot about six months ago mm-hmm. with my friend Jonathan uh, Riley, who's a photographer in the L.A. area. And uh, the photos were just awful because he did a great job and I looked like I was terrified the whole time. Huh. So I. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I have that. Uh, I have that exact same thing. I have a real modesty thing. Like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, which is weird being a stand-up comic. But you have such great expressions in your photos. Like, you're able to just sort of have fun. I was in there making myself do that. I was so like, I did not want to do it. It was. I'm. I seriously did. I was like forcing myself to. <laughs> if I were comfortable, I probably would have made totally different faces. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> And I'm just saying I relate. Tyler Tyler Ross, the photographer, uh, you should totally he does oh, great, great stuff in the LA area. If you need a photographer, Tyler Ross, yeah, he was a sweetheart and really held my hand through a lot of it because he's like, "You're doing fine. You're doing fine." I'm like, <laughs> oh no! But Dave says to me, he like grips my shoulders, to, like turn me in a direction. I'm just like, Ugh! and he's all like, "My whole life, I've wanted to find someone more awkward than myself." <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought about that. Like, wow, I'm that awkward. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. You were that day. Uh, it was really bad. Anyway. Um, the thing is, though, that you never, like, I'm just never in the places that uh, are uncomfortable for most people and not for you. Mm-hmm. Take me to a dungeon and I'll have my shoulders, like, over my head. I'll oh, like, I can't wait. Let's do that because I'm, like, really relaxed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love that that's the reason. Let's do that. <laughs> so you can be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can switch roles. It'll be fun. It's like gender bending. Yeah. Well, I'm. This is one of my gatekeeper things. Ooh, yeah. Oh my god. Just sex in general, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Okay, so enjoy the episode. We'll be back right after to talk about a few more things. All sex. right. Enjoy. All right, sex nerds. It's the last day of the sex conference. So this week, I'm bringing you some super duper knowledge. Again, I am highly sleep deprived. And slightly hallucinating, but that is the nature of absorbing this much knowledge in one weekend. It's been amazing. I can't even believe it, the things that I've learned. So many notes. So now I'm going to bring you Chelsea Wakefield, who is, um, blew me away a few days ago when she presented in a session. So I wanted to um, welcome Chelsea to the table. Hello. Hello. It's good to be here. Thanks. And I'm going to be holding this recorder really close okay. to your face. Uh, so I'm going to be violating your personal space a lot. It's okay. You have permission to do that. Right, awesome. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself because um, now to me, Chelsea Wakefield is like a total like super duper name because I'm like, Chelsea Wakefield, she's amazing. But that's just because I get excited about people who are highly knowledgeable about things. So tell everybody else um, what you're about. I am a therapist in private practice and I'm also an author of Negotiating the Inner Peace Treaty. Uh, and I have a, a wonderful women's weekend that I'm extremely excited about called the Luminous Woman's Weekend. And that weekend is about women discovering their personal archetypes and the archetypes that they've lived into, archetypes of the feminine, discovering their unique beauty, their essence, their archetypal power. Um, and those, those are the things I'm very excited about. Okay. So, well... The archetypal power. Well, first of all, are you doing luminous? Is that the luminous woman thing? Is that coming up every so often or? I usually do luminous woman two or three times a year as an entry weekend. And it starts on Friday at uh, five o'clock and goes to Sunday at four. And the next luminous woman weekend is October 19th through 21st. And you can find out about it on my website, which is chelseawakefield.com. And where, where in the world? It's going to be in North North Carolina. 
Uh, it'll be in North Carolina, in the mountains of North Carolina, during the fall, which means that the leaves are going to be changing. It's going to be spectacularly beautiful. Awesome. And for all of y'alls who are over in North Carolina and surrounding, and you're all mad all the time because you can't come to a live Sex Nerd Sandra show, or you can't go to the cool thing in San Francisco, this is happening. Cool things all over the place. Excellent. Okay. Um, so... What resonated for me uh, when you were talking about uh, archetypes and, and tell me a little bit about what, like I think of like, oh, the cheerleader, that's an archetype, or, but how does that apply to the inner person? Well, first of all, it's really important to understand that archetypes are not categories. They're not just labels or roles. They're systems of energy. So they really motivate us to, they move us to do things. They move us to see things in particular ways. And when we're carrying a particular archetype, uh, we actually evoke responses out of the people that we're around. So if I'm in the archetype of the teacher, uh, which I am a little bit right now because I'm providing information. I have a particular uh, way of holding myself usually or way of being. Uh, I often joke that uh, when I finish work and then I walk through the threshold of my household into the house and I ask my son, have you done your homework? Then I've moved into the archetype of the mother. I'm no longer being a therapist. It's a completely different energy. Uh, and likewise, if I'm uh, on vacation, then I might be just, you know, and just be totally in my inner child self and being feeling really playful, which again is a very different way of being. Um, but we each of us has a personal archetypal profile, and so I in my book I talk about the inner cast of characters. So each of us has an inner cast, and that cast changes over time. And when I'm working with people therapeutically or with people in sex therapy, uh, couples, individuals, I'm always interested in who in them is playing on the stage of their life right now. And do, do they really like how that's working out for them? Do they like the feeling that's carrying? Or were they like to, would they like to be in a different place in relationship to others and themselves? So, okay, that was pretty heavy, right? And we're going to totally apply that to couple uh-huh. relationships and, and sexuality. But, like, as a podcaster, right, I come from an education, well, like, fun workshops, you know, where I talk to people about sex and pleasure. Um, and podcasting, that transition was really difficult because I can't be, like, a rigid teacher style. Like, I, I kind of had to transition to more like, hey, guys, this is who I am. Like, I had to become more of a friend on the mic, on the mic instead of just, because otherwise it would always be very rigid. And I was like, why do I sound so constipated? Uh-huh. And it was like, because I didn't have the live audience and I wasn't, podcasting was really strange. Um, and I find that I hold the teacher archetype, like even in my life, like even around my family, or like I hold, like some people can stay so rigid within one mm-hmm. archetype in their lives. So that's how I translate. Like, ah, oh, I'm always holding on to this one style of being, this one part of myself. It's really irritating, especially when you're in the bedroom. It is very irritating. And one of the things that I encourage people to do is to really identify the archetype that they're carrying in the bedroom. So for instance, um, if I'm a dutiful wife, who believes that I need to have sex on a regular basis because my husband needs it or it's part of being married and you have to supply it at least three times a week, uh, that's not going to be very enjoyable for me or for my partner. And after a while, sex is going to go very stale. So there's a wide variety of archetypes that I can occupy in terms of the way that I'm relating sexually. I'm in a very different place when I'm being like an earth mother sexually or if I'm being a playful kitten or if I'm coming from geisha or some other archetype where I'm really into a totally different energy. Um, so I, I can be into in, in a lot of different places sexually. And when people come in, I think we were talking in the workshop the other day, I'm, uh, I'm always looking for gatekeepers, the parts of us that when we want to move into a way of being more free in relationship with other people, the gatekeeper comes up and says, oh, no, 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 watch out for that. You know, you don't want to do that. If you're going to be doing that, you're going to get in trouble in this long list of ways. Uh, one of the things that we do in the Luminous Woman Weekend is we unpack all the lists of don'ts. And it's, you know, women typically when we start getting, you know, listing don't, don't do this, don't do that, or, or you know, you must, don't move your hips too much, don't dress provocatively, uh, don't be more smart than the boy you're going out with, don't, I mean, long, long list. So many don'ts, and this weekend hearing just even 
you speak, I've been thinking about my archetypes this whole weekend. Mm-hmm. And so I was all like, whoa, I'm really repressing my Jessica Rabbit, you know? Oh, yes. Uh, and I was just like, oh. But, I mean, we so, can think. So the question I have for you about your inner Jessica Rabbit is if you uh, just raise the volume on her uh, 10%, how would you be different in your life? What would you do differently? Oh, man. I, you know, I think just in the bedroom, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I have the bravery to be that much more, like, sexy or just sort of like fluid in my like look at me i'm a lady like i don't know if i even have that in me to because i'm always having to have sort of this professional facade i feel like because i already am navigating sexual waters so much with people so there's like this like i also can't swing my hips a whole lot because that just feels really weird to be sexy keeper that's a gatekeeper what does the gatekeeper say about why you can't swing your hips more what will happen if you swing your hips because then I have to navigate people being like, hey, so uh, what are you doing later? And I'm like, nah. So, so you get too much attention. Yeah, I don't want the attention. Okay. Do you want the attention in private, though? That's in public. What about in private? I guess. <laughs> you guess. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's like, because then you think about, oh, if I act different, what's going to happen? What are the other people around me? They're going to respond to me differently. They will. They absolutely will, and that's what's so exciting about moving around in the archetypal spectrum and developing archetypal fluency, what I like to call, is the ability to move in and out of particular energies because where you are is going to evoke something different in your partner, and it might be something really wonderful. I have noticed that the act of like physical and mental arousal, like just letting the arousal process happen, when... like is. I identify this with like a lot of, you know, just a lot of people who are really in their heads a lot, just constantly in their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like that when I finally break through and stop being in my head and let the arousal sort of happen, this magical thing happens where I do shift into a very, very much more sex kitten space. Yes. And it's like this strange, you know, I guess you other people might call it like goddess energy, but people like will say like, oh my God, you're like so different right now. Yes, yes. And it just kind of bubbles up from inside of you. It's actually very authentic. And I like to think about people having different sexual essences. They're, you know, it's sort of like the fingerprint. It's your sexual soul print. And everybody really does have a different essence. And when you can really allow yourself to drop out of your head into your body, and really be feeling the embodiment of it, uh, which I, I love to ask people if they were going to be an animal, what, what animal would you be? If you think about yourself uh, as a creature, as a creature, what would you be? Uh, I Have you thought much about that? The sloth used to be my spirit animal, so that's a really awkward question. (laughs) Well, it's a wonderful spirit animal, but I'm wondering in terms of how you experience yourself. Um, well, for instance, if you were going to be any kind of a, of a cat, what kind of a cat would you be? Big cat, small cat, a lynx, a tiger, a lioness, a, or, or a, 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 any, kind of a, any, any kind of an animal at all? I think just cat-wise, I think I'd be an alley cat. Very independent. Okay. Not really, you know, maybe eaten from that one house, but like not really committed, but kind of there. Okay. You know? so, so as you're looking at me right now and you're moving in a little bit into that alley cat energy, you're shifting. You're a little different. I'm experiencing you, you know, you're a little saucier. What's looking out of your eyes is a little bit more uh, evocative. Well, she totally like has my number and stuff. <laughs> So as I'm interacting with you, I notice I'm responding to that. It's right. It's I feel more playful in your presence. Yeah, you did. Like we both kind of like perked up a little bit. We did. So that's how it works in terms of of exchanging archetypal energies because you and I are connected. We're communicating. We're moving back and forth. And so I'm looking into your eyes, and you're moving into alley cat energy, and. you know, it, it's sort of evoking a kind of a kittenish energy in me, too. Cool. <laughs> well, that was easy. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, wow. Um, okay, well, first off, in terms of, like, I like the animal thing, because that's really immediate. Because then you do get into your animal. I felt it. But then I'm also a really playful person, mm-hmm. so people always laugh at me for being really physical in my movements. So so what if you wanted to be more dramatic? Is that, is that an energy that's comfortable or 
I don't even know what that looks like in the bedroom okay. or like dramatic, like, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Like really authentically, like more like, like if we described you as a deep pool, like blue, deep water. I mean, just if you imagine yourself, just imagine yourself right now becoming like a really deep pool of water. More fluid. If Dave, my co-host, were here, he'd say I'd be very wet. <laughs> but that's my comedian counterpart uh-huh. on my show. Uh-huh. Um, well, you might be very wet, but, you know, it's sort of like the, the deep pool of water is sort of like in, in, your, in your body. I feel... Um, when you say deep pool, I do feel a certain waking up of my visceral region, like my mm-hmm. stomach. Like I feel more depth in my body. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. an awareness. Yes, yes. So that's one way of, of coming out of your head. Um, now, if you, if you experienced yourself as a fire creature, uh, that might be more comfortable for you. I don't know. That's, that's a little closer to Alley Cat. Oh, I made faces like I was a, I don't know what I was making faces, but it was my mouth open, aggressively stalking uh-huh. something. But it's a different feeling. So if, if we begin to think about ourselves in terms of, of, of more elemental beings, of, you know, what is the difference in myself if I'm, if I'm an earth person, if I'm an earth mother, if I'm Gloria Mundi, um, the great earth mother, uh, how, how do I relate from that place? Uh, that'll definitely pull me out of my head. Uh, if I experience myself as a whirlwind, you know, that's a different energy that I might carry. Um, like speaking in like sci-fi nerd terms, um, uh, Doctor Who, David Tennant energy. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. No, he's, he's just like, everything is amazing and humans are great and he's very optimistic but very intense and mm-hmm. totally charming mm-hmm. and there's just this very... Uh, I've moved into the Matt Smith stuff, which is a new doctor. But um, but there's just this certain... when you, For me, when I watch Doctor Who, which is like this, he has this huge following, there's a certain doctor energy from this character that I sort of take in and carry with me after I've watched a few episodes. So what does that evoke in you? So you're, cause I can feel it right now. So you're watching this and, and it shifts your state somehow. It, 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 what does it do? I, I feel like I have stronger leadership tendencies and, uh, I'm more, I have more faith in people. Mm-hmm. Like there's just a little bit more of like an optimism and like just a spunkiness, like, mm-hmm. Oh, let's just battle that's aliens and, good. and have fun and wear cool sneakers, you know, cause I'm an alien too. Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, he's an alien, by the way. P.S. Oh, okay. okay. Travels through time and space. Right. It's, it's a long story. I'll have to check this yeah. out. It's like 30, episodes, uh, 30 seasons. It's, it's a long thing. Um, the British. So, okay, let's get into a little bit of concrete stuff. Uh-huh. What is a just a sampling of a list of archetypes? Like if someone is just like, I really can't think of stuff. I know people can pull from movies and characters that kind of, you know, like I can pull from like Catwoman or Jessica Rabbit. Mm-hmm. But... I, you said Earth Mother, but what are some other ideas for like male bodies, female bodies, males and females, everybody? I don't know why I'm going all binary all of a sudden, but for people to pull from, just throughout the different ones that come up a lot for people. Well, the list of archetypes is endless. Yeah. You know, it's it's there's just millions of them. But uh, I love it when people name their own archetypes, like you just named Jessica Rabbit. Uh, some of the archetypes that I am encountering when I'm working with people in the realm of sexuality, which are very, very strong, are the good boy and the good girl, Mm -hmm. and the bad boy and the bad girl. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you look at standing between opposites, you know, and maybe being a good girl is a great survival strategy when you're growing up, but it can also be very constraining in terms of expressing yourself or even really knowing yourself, because maybe there's things about your deep, authentic sexuality that don't fall in the category of good girl, mm-hmm. that you want to experience or express. And so you're going to have to move out of that archetype and, and find the gatekeepers and discover what kind of a flavor of, you know, do you want to be Spanish dancer? Do you want to be, um, you know, a lynx? Do you want to be a bad girl? Do you want to be um, a, a, t- a governess? Do you, you know... <laughs> There's all sorts of archetypes that you can live into. Um, what about men? Like in terms of, because I, I run across a lot of listeners who are male mm-hmm. or men and um, are just nice guys. Yes. And when it comes to the mating process of like, hey, I'm interested in you. Can I take you out? All of that. They're just 
stuck in this very like I'm a nice guy and you know I'm kind of a doormat sometimes some some people do kind of have that sort of archetype mm-hmm. but I don't know what I would call that but I really there's this call for help from males to help embody more parts of themselves right so right. what do you have to say about that I, I think it's a really interesting topic and one of the things that even the most enlightened woman in the world, a very progressive feminist type of woman, if you get into a situation sexually where your polarity is the same, you know, they're two equals, it's like two batteries, and there's very little, you know, it's, it's just, it's flat. So we like to, I think in relating to partners, we, there's the, the interplay of the give and take of um, tumbling around different aspects of archetypal energies and, and power even. Um, and I'm not saying that, uh, I'm not talking about negative power. I'm talking about the give and take of you're taking the lead, I'm taking the lead, we're trading, we're tumbling. you know. Um, and sometimes what happens with guys who are really, really nice guys is they, are, they don't know how to access their instinctual energy. And they don't know how to access that part of them that is deeply authentically masculine male, which um, which doesn't mean you're a douchebag. No, it doesn't mean you're a douchebag at all. It means that you are able, we have to have a certain amount of sexual selfishness in order to actually just receive sexual pleasure or to ask for what we want. And we can't be so empathetic about our partners that if we see the slightest little twitch in them about in communicating, and sexual communication is so difficult for people because it's really revealing that which is deeply, deeply personal. Uh, Communicating about what pleasures you sexually is far beyond getting naked. It's like getting naked in your soul rather than just physically. Much easier to take your clothes off. I was going to say, like, oh, can I just take my clothes off? Like, do we really have to go that deep? <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if a lot of people nowadays, they're really interested in getting edgy. They want to figure out how to be edgy sexually. Is that like expanding into like the really naughty, like Fifty Shades of Grey stuff? Yeah, yeah, possibly into something that others might consider kinky. And if, if people want to get really edgy, I would suggest that they actually start to tune in and be completely authentic and honest about what pleasures them, even in the realms of uh, how they want to be communicated to, how they want to be related to. Um, just being authentic, really tuning in and being who you are is incredibly edgy. A lot of people play roles. You know, they, they act like they think they're supposed to act to be sexy, which is part of the reason why they're not experiencing a lot of connection and pleasure in their sex lives is because they're, they're acting sexy. Dude, I, that was like the first 10 years of my sex life was yeah. like playing a role of the highly sexually receptive and sens- responsive. responsive. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. making noises that I didn't understand. Like, like exactly. That, this was, is, this is how a person sounds when they're being sexually responsive. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's a journey for everyone to kind of come into themselves. Um, the interesting thing that you said about how people play roles though, is that, I've found that in role play where you give yourself permission to take on a character, it sounds like playing with just trying on different archetypes can be sort of like a more nuanced version of that where you kind of like, let me just be, you know, Xena the Warrior Princess this evening. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a lot of fun. And you can go get yourself a Xena the Warrior Princess outfit. And and if you actually negotiate that with a partner and you decide who he's going to be in response to Xena the Warrior Princess, then, you know, you can have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. I can even like, you know, and have like a big sword. Yeah. I mean, you can, I I think it's, um, a lot of the problems that people have in life are a failure of imagination. I think I tweeted that. I think I tweeted that you said that earlier this weekend. (laughs) Did I? I I, I don't know if you did Oh, okay. Because I'm not reading my tweets, but, um, uh, yeah, failure of imagination, a failure of imagination. So when we really allow ourselves to think outside of the box and not live into the scripts we were given, to really tune into, I mean, if you're moving through life, if you read books or watch television programs, you can notice what picks your energy up, what sparks your energy, what are you interested in? And then it can become sort of like a golden thread. And then you follow the thread. And you say, hmm, you you get curious and you say, I wonder what this is about. I wonder what it tells me about my personal essence. 
I wonder what it tells me about my, and, and if partners can be more curious about each other and not take things so personally. Uh, so that even if, you know, you may tell me something that uh, you're interested in and I don't necessarily want to do that, but I can be interested in it because it tells me more about your template, your essence. And who knows, we might discover something uh, that would be really fun for us to share that we haven't even talked about before. One of the things that I had in the presentation the other day was a chart that talked about the overlap of the safe zone where, where couples live in this sort of agreed upon. Nerds love Venn diagrams. It wasn't a Venn diagram. A Venn and then diagram. there was like an under thing underneath it. Yes. So this is like a super, in, like there was a Venn diagram and there was stuff on the outside of both of your circles. Yes. There's an overlap and there was an under thing. Yes. Yes. So the overlap is the positive area of relating where we're safe, we've agreed upon it, we understand each other, and we get into our dance steps. We know exactly what to do to please each other. And what's great about that is we are in a positive bonding pattern, but what's dangerous about that is that we can get so invested in positive relating that we never take any risks. And then over time, we just become boring and stuck. And there's no room for growth. Positive relating meaning only the places that we found in the very beginning that we agree upon and right. not to push outside that at all. Exactly. And that applies to relationships where I know that right, right outside that in the Venn diagram was what I call the no-fly zone. These are the areas that when we talk about them, we always argue if we're, if we're a couple. And so we've learned you just don't, don't go there. Don't go there because negative things happen. And so we've got this whole blocked out area. And then usually if you can, and around that is the, is the hidden area. And that is all of my secret longings and things I'd love to try or do or go or be. Or, but I'm not going to say to you because we've established this positive relating pattern. And I don't want to rock the boat. I like how we're relating really well to each other. So I don't want to risk that. Um, I want to just, just to give people more concrete, um, tools for, for this work. Cause it's really, you're opening up a whole gateway of thought that I, I didn't really, I hadn't really even access to my brain and I'm finding like every time I go to a conference, I'm always like, Oh great. There's more to learn. I mean, which I'm excited about, but then also like my head hurts. <laughs> but, um, you said that if one person, if a person wants to really get in tune with, um, more archetypes and more parts of themselves notice when their energy picks up, mm-hmm. you know, follow that thread. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean to like notice your energy? Cause like I have, like, I have a friend who's a, a chemist and he's like, what does that mean? Is it potential energy? Is it kinetic energy? Like, can you measure it? You can't measure it. It's not energy. Like give me a break. And I was kind of just sitting there like, eh, well, I just feel it and I like it. Um, so my question is how can someone start noticing what the energy is and I didn't, and why do we call it energy? Oh, the plates. Yeah, why do we call it energy? That sort of thing. Well, energy, I think a lot of people talk about energy nowadays. And certainly if you're a, in a scientific paradigm, the, the energy that we're talking about is not necessarily currently measurable, even though I do believe it will be measurable at some point in time. If you actually had somebody hooked up on measuring devices, you know, on their hands and, you know, I forget what they call that stuff, galvanic response. I can't remember what they call it. But um, you can measure when somebody's enthusiasm goes up. And you can see it when you're looking at somebody. I mean, if I'm talking to you and you're completely bored by what I'm saying, your eyes are going to glaze over and you're going to kind of slump a little bit. But if My brain goes dark. Right. And I think... I think it's been measured that if you start really thinking about your pinky, like really start thinking about your pinky, it starts to get warmer and you can measure that attention moving to that place. I'm sure you can measure that. Yep. And now that they're actually mapping the brain, they're taking pictures of the brain, you can measure when certain areas of the brain light up in enthusiasm, when your emotional, your limbic system lights up, et cetera. So if somebody was taking a picture of your brain and you were walking through a bookstore looking at titles of books, they could see that certain books sparked your interest because your brain would light up. So if we're tuning into our bodies, we can notice that when we're exposed to certain, I mean, if you, let's say that you want to expand your archetypal profile. Mm-hmm. So now you're thinking about this for the first time. You're thinking about your inner cast of characters. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you say, well, I only have maybe like 12 inner selves that I really live into, but I'd like to really get somebody new at my inner round table. So I'm going to go to some movies and I'm going to notice other than Jessica Rabbit, uh, who sparks my interest when I see her? Yeah. I say, I'd like to be more like her. 
I would like to be more like her, carry her energy, be able to move through the room like her, be able to attract attention like her, be able to wear clothes like her. Uh, and then you can begin to just sort of notice that and um, sort of define what that essence is for you. And then if you really want to get imaginative, you could sort of sit in a chair and you could imagine becoming that person for a minute. And then if you are becoming more like that person, as you imagine sort of inhabiting that space, how do you move differently? How do you think differently? How do you see the world differently? What kind of clothes might you wear? You'd wear a different wardrobe in that person. Right. And when, what about when people say, well, that's not me. Like, well, that's not who I am. It's, it feels very stuck when people kind of define the hard lines of where they end and that's it like yes. they know people say that a lot because they think that they are their roles they think they're their intelligence they think they're their resume they think they're their personality characteristics we are we have all that stuff but that's not who we are so one of the things I really enjoy doing is creating when I'm thinking about the inner cast of characters is actually getting a director on board and the director would be the person that's saying, I've always lived into these roles, these archetypes. I've been a nerd. The nerd is an archetype. Oh, totes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always been a nerd. Now, what if I wanted to be something else? And I, I don't know what, but something else other than a nerd. I can still have my nerd as one of my inner cast of characters. But um, I don't know. Maybe I want to integrate 10% socialite. So the, even though I love my nerdness, when I go out into a group of people, I can interact more easily and in the flow of conversation. Maybe I want to learn how to make small talk. Because you know how nerds, they don't like to make small talk. We like to have interesting conversations. Right. It's got to be detailed. We're going to go deep. We're going to really deconstruct this. Right. And we're not going to talk about the weather unless no. we want to talk about... Boring stuff. You know, the depths of the weather. But yeah, yawn. Or how so, weather works. And- or yeah, like, yeah, did you check out those cumulus clouds? Uh-huh. And like the, the, the blah, blah, blah stratosphere is really... Wow. Yes. Um, I mean, it's not that bad. Uh, <laughs> but... Last night at the bar, I was talking to one of the therapists mm-hmm. from the conference and just like hanging out a little bit. And, you know, we, we, you always exchange information, do the little networky thing. And I'm like, yeah, sex nerd Sandra. And she's like, you're not a nerd. People do that all, to me all the time. Like, you're not a nerd. And they kind of like, like defiantly, I'm like, okay, well, when I talk about what I'm interested in, at some point, someone will be like, seriously? She had had a few drinks. Uh-huh. So like 20 you know, minutes later. Oh. What occurs to me is you were probably talking to a fellow nerd. So, for instance, when in high school, I was kind of a nerd. I definitely have my, my well-developed inner nerd. I love to study stuff. I love typologies. I love interesting, deep conversations. And, um, but I also have other aspects of me, mm-hmm. you know, that aren't very nerdy. So Yeah, it's a, it's a part of ourselves, but we don't have to fully define ourselves as that. And people get over-identified with one part of self. Mm-hmm. And they start to think or say, that's who I am. Well, it's not who you are. You could be any number of things. And just because you move a little bit into a different set of archetypes Mm -hmm. and incorporate some of that energy doesn't mean that you're not going to be a nerd anymore. Mm -hmm. You don't have to... I think a lot of people have a fear that they're going to lose themselves if they expand themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of uh, resistance around just trying new sexual activities or playfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not something that people readily will say, but I've had... Well, I have a partner or a close friend admit like, yeah, but... I'm curious about this, but if I try it and I like it, like, for instance, anal play or something, especially if they're a male, you know, then if I like it, then it's like suddenly their entire system of who they are is collapsing. Absolutely. It means that their identity, their core sense of identity has now expanded or maybe moved a little bit left or right of center. And, uh, and that's a good thing. It doesn't mean that they've lost who they were. It means that they've incorporated more, more possibilities. I started thinking about like guys who are um, shy in the bedroom or like just really feminist and or you know, want to be equals and they don't want to because there is a sort of urge like when you get in your animalistic self and you're sexual you kind of want to like be rough with your partner kind of you know smack them around and like be like rawr and just like pound the heck out of them you know like who, no matter what your body is like there's that sort of urge where you just want to like bite the heck out of the person you really like 
so, but there's this holdback, like, oh, I can't do that because that would be disrespectful or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so let's talk about that. That's very interesting. So you've got the instinctual self who wants to pounce. All right, so it's sort of like a tiger, a pouncing, you know, mm-hmm. like totally. When, when I was talking earlier about sexual selfishness, mm-hmm. when we move into our totally instinctual selves, they are selfish. They want what they want, and they want it right now, exactly how they want it, and they're not really that interested in you. Mm-hmm. That's the law of the jungle, <laughs> right? So that's why those instinctual cells will be things like carnivores. They'll be tigers and, you know, things that pounce. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, so you've got the enlightened male. That's an archetype, the, the feminist, or even what you might call the inner matriarch and, or the inner feminist. And, and a lot of guys that are nice guys, that are enlightened guys, have internalized that archetype. And so her voice is in their head saying to them, make sure you don't objectify her. You know, don't treat her like a sex object. She's an equal. You know, you've got to always be respectful. Um, and maybe there's moments when she doesn't want to be treated respectfully. She wants to just absolutely get into her own sense of selfishness. And, you know, of course, you know, there, if there's a director on board, there's, there's a part of us that is observing this process that can say, um, I'm uncomfortable with, with what's going on. Or let's, you know, it's, it's really okay to put a uh, kind of, you know, in the theater realm to put a, you know, a timeout you know, stop, stop play for a minute. Let's talk about what's happening here. Uh, and that's part of the fun about getting to know somebody is you can learn the repertoire, the, the spectrum of what that person is, is comfortable with as you begin to communicate, you begin to play. And then you, you know, again, you know what they're up for and what they're not because you've talked about it in and out of bed. And uh, so that whole idea of always having to be respectful is a stuck place. And, um, I mean, just because you're being in your most instinctual, most sexually selfish place doesn't ne- does not necessarily mean you're not being respectful. Right. I feel like you're still honoring the person. And also, we don't want to... I like to be object. I mean, I mean, you're objectifying each other. I mean, that's, you're celebrating the object that the person is. Yes. And the entire uh, being a child of feminism... Uh, one of the things that I've bumped into in women, I, I had someone I worked with a while ago that her, she had so internalized the idea that she should never be objectified. She should never be a sex object. That when anyone looked at her with desire, it was an instant turnoff. I mean, that's rather a conundrum to never want to be desired. Most women do want to be desired at some point. But it can be really hard to admit. Like, it, it would feel weird for me to be like, oh, I, well, lately I've been really practicing admitting my feelings but it still feels weird i recommend you all practice admitting your feelings at least to yourself at least but like oh i want to be desired this evening that's a really vulnerable thing to say yes anyway i just i think most women want to be desired even though we're more enlightened than we used to be we still want to know that the people in our life find us attractive and want to be with us so yeah and, and men too Absolutely. And, and so the stuck stereotype of women being the object of what we say, you know, more technically is women as the object of desire and men as the subject of desire. We each want to be subject and object. We want to be the person who desires and we want to be the person who is desired. And we also have, we want to have permission to not desire sometimes. Oh yeah, that's really important. <laughs> yeah, you have to have permission to not desire sometimes because sometimes you don't. You actually inspired a thought in me with the um, objectification uh, section mm-hmm. that you were just talking about because I realized that we always you, know, you always hear that script like oh don't objectify women mm-hmm. you, know, you know women are people too this this whole thing but the truth is when it comes to male bodies we objectify the penis like there is no room for the humanness and, and like that it's we just the penis it's an object to be used and it's it's to tell me that I'm sexy but mm-hmm. it's just it's kind of sad there's no room for well, it, we don't. I don't think we just objectify the penis. I think we objectify men's bellies. I mean, I, I, I'm in my fifties, and you know, when we move into our fifties, we our bodies change. So, 
which is one of the things about that I find nice about being with a long-term partner is you have a base of relationship and you've known each other for a long time and it doesn't matter to you quite so much anymore if you have a little cellulite or you have a little belly that you didn't used to have. Uh, and also if your body doesn't work the way that it used to work because, you know, it doesn't when you get into your 50s, 60s, and 70s. But I don't, I have not found that that is any, that has any reduction in the amount of pleasure that you can have with a partner because I think as you get, one of the blessings of getting older is that you are less interested in, um, your definitions of sexuality expand. You, you get more comfortable with yourself. You get more confident in your capacity to communicate. And uh, you well, learn. Hopefully, if you're really practicing those skills. Yes. Through, if you haven't grown since you hit puberty in terms of your communication skills and your relationship skills, you're still that 14-year-old when you're 50, no? You know, that's absolutely right. And a lot of couples that come into my office that are having a lot of difficulties have never talked to each other about their sensations, their desires, their fantasies, their things that they wanted to do. They, because they're in that safe bonding zone, mm-hmm. that overlap in the Venn diagram where we don't take risks. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I think that the previous generation just didn't talk about sex. Yeah. They just didn't talk. To finish off, I mean, we're um, definitely coming near the end, but because I do get so many, I mean, you're a therapist, you're doing all this wonderful work, I do get letters from couples, from um, one spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, who is having a problem because they are not having sex anymore, the sexless relationship. Mm-hmm. And of course, it can be for many reasons, um, but sometimes it just goes away. And I know there's, we could talk for a week about this, but any tips around how to, I feel like there's just stuck identities. Like I am the mother now. I am only the mother and I don't have time or energy for this. Or how, what would you say to those, those people listening who are in these relationships where eroticism and intimacy and sex have kind of gone away? Mm-hmm. The archetype of the mother is a deadly archetype for sexuality. It's really great uh, to some degree for raising great kids, but one of the things that it models for children is being in, when, when you are entirely immersed in the archetype of the mother, which tends to be very de-eroticized. It's very nurturing, and it's not very erotic. Now that makes me really angry, because if I ever had kids, like, I'm sorry, guys, not giving that stuff up. <laughs> like, I'm going to be a whole person. Well, the other message that it sends to children is that you are the center of their world, which is not good for kids and it's not good for mothers. Uh, And for children who are, it is a good idea for kids to see their parents having a romantic connection. And it models for them, particularly in long-term marriages, that it's possible to still be uh, erotically connected and, and really happy about being with your partner after a 20, 30, 40-year marriage. And that is possible. Now, what happens a lot of times is as people move into the good mother, the good father, the soccer mom, the, you know, the responsible dad, all of those roles are very taxing. So you, there is the factor of exhaustion, which is a really legitimate factor. There, we all have too much to do. Uh, we extend ourselves too far in terms of activities. We extend ourselves too far financially. Uh, we don't create quiet times mm-hmm. where we can uh, really replenish ourselves. And sexuality is definitely one of the ways that we can replenish ourselves. Um, sexuality can actually be a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, spending a quiet morning with your lover in bed, uh, the way that oftentimes you did when you were first dating, where you would go off for the weekend and you would just hold yourself up in a hotel room and not come out and just spend long, languid hours just being together and enjoying each other. We don't do that very much as we get older and we get more responsible. And it's, when the sexless marriage, it's not even like, what if, because I think like, what if you just take sex and penetration off the table, but you at least get your clothes off and just hold each other. other. Yeah. Just get our clothes off and touch each other. One of the things that people stop doing at some point is, um, it's always interesting to find out when they start wearing flannel pajamas uh-huh. <laughs> or instead of sleeping naked and actually having skin touch. Uh, t- the skin touching is, is one of the most pleasurable uh, erotic experiences in the world is full body contact. 
actually skin to skin and really feeling what that feels like, breathing together, uh, looking into each other's eyes, which is another thing that long-term couples don't usually do anymore is look into each other's eyes. Uh, problems of the no-sex marriage, it's a, it's a big, big topic, and I, I would have to yeah, do a whole yeah, other yeah. podcast on that. But one of the things to ask is, what is it that you desire? Um, I mean, sometimes people stop having sex because the kind of sex that they're having is so boring, they just don't want to have it anymore. <laughs> well, there's, yeah, that is, that's a thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that comes back to the positive bonding pattern. Have we become so accustomed to one another that we're no longer pushing out into our hidden world with each other. I mean, people generally, they grow in some way. They change in some way. But if we're accustomed to relating in in a stuck way to each other, keep in mind that I have my inner cast of characters and my partner has their inner cast of characters. And it's always an interesting thing to think about. Who in me is relating to who in them and who's not relating? You know, who do they have sitting at the back part of their inner round table that's not interrelating with my longed-for secret selves? Have we been mom and dad for so long? Have we been best friends, best friends for so long? Where we're so familiar, we're so enmeshed, we're so comfortable with each other that we're just, you know, it's like, why? what's the point of having sex? We're just totally enmeshed and bonded anyway. Or so, they think they know everything about each other. Yes, but most often there's a big hidden world in there. Totally. Yeah. So the, the archetypal potential that we have is unlimited. So the minute people start thinking about themselves in this model and thinking about, gosh, you know, I'm really tired of myself. I'm tired of myself. I'm tired of my partner. Uh, there's no excitement in my life anymore. This is one of the reasons why people have affairs is because they meet someone and it awakens they yeah. meet different parts of themselves and it's so energizing. Well, you could have that with your partner if you would bother to kind of wander out into the undiscovered regions and take a safari into the unknown worlds of each other, then in a way, if we're, if we're growing and we're changing, you're never sleeping with the same person twice, even if you're sleeping with the same person your entire life. They're different every day. That's, that's a really beautiful thing to say. That's a really great, that's a really great note to end it on. Because <laughs> we've, yeah, we've done, this is going to be great. Guys, in the future... Because what I'm saying is in the past, I'm, people in the future, it's been great. Find your inner Wolverine. <laughs> you know? um, all right, Chelsea, uh, tell us where we can find you, your website again, books that you've, uh, you've written, the book about the inner oh, – you tell, tell us about all your awesome places okay. we can find you. And if people can uh, do therapy with you over the phone or you know, if people want to reach out to you, if that's a possibility. Yeah. My website is chelseawakefield.com, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, Wakefield, W-A-K-E-F-I-E-L-D.com. And on my website, you can click onto uh, the site to order my book, which is Negotiating the Inner Peace Treaty, Becoming the Person You Were Born to Be. And it talks about the inner cast of characters and how you relate to yourself and how you relate to others and archetypal potentials and how you can expand your experience of living and really become more of your authentic self. Um, I have a Luminous Woman Weekend coming up in October that you can find out more about on my website and register for. It's October 19th through 21st. And couples who want to fly into the Asheville, North Carolina, the beautiful mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, and do intensives with me, I do those occasionally. They could come in and stay in a hotel, and we could do, uh, you know, two, three hours of work in the morning for a few days, and you can go hike in the mountains the rest of the time. Fancy. Yep, that would be lovely. Uh, I also do some coaching. I don't do psychotherapy by Skype or phone, but I do coaching. So you could contact me about that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. I was like, I feel like I just got a special little therapy session. Guys. Oh. This is great. What a good way to end the conference. Thank you very much for checking out the show. Uh, I'm sexnerdsandra.com, on Twitter, etc. And uh, I'll see you next time. Next time Dave will be here. It'll be very fun. Okay. Bye, team fun. All right. Okay, so uh, that was Chelsea Wakefield. I love her. Uh, She's great. Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't there. Yeah, but she's cool. great. And I appreciate you like helping me process these things before and after. Because you know, I do miss you when I'm recording without you. I'm all like, oh, Dave's not here. 
And I miss you, but I don't know that it's happening uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, yeah. But in my, I'm sure that there's something going on in my brain in those moments where I'm just like at work or something. And I'm like, there's something weird. I should yeah. be somewhere else. Yeah. Well. In some hotel room in some <laughs> other part of the United States, there's a girl with a microphone. There's a girl with a microphone <laughs> and another girl. <laughs> and sometimes a guy. And s- sometimes a <laughs> What if right then I just got insanely jealous and I just started breaking stuff? <laughs> Another what? <laughs> it's okay if it's a girl. Yeah, oh. that's fine. I mean, you know, and you can have a guest on who's a guy, but not a host. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just like it triggers my like guilt and like you know Catholic schoolgirl yeah. energy where I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> totally. I was to... It's okay. He loves me. <laughs> Um, so I, it really, actually talking with Chelsea, it, it was really helpful for me to process like, wow, I really do have certain aspects of myself. Like, like I stay in teacher mode way too often, even at parties when there's a lot of nerds around and stuff. And when I say nerds, I mean just cool, really intelligent people that may or may not work for NASA, you know, like just, I feel like I kind of just get so brainy. And so like when she was like, alley cat energy or like get into your sex kitten or your Jessica rabbit, you know, kind of, it's just a little more playful, you know, or like the, my little pony energy. That's a really fun show. I my little that. pony energy. Dude, YouTube, some, just my little pony. And there, there's some sassy animated ponies right there. Oh no, I know. Oh, I'm yeah, just yeah. trying to think of like, like where that would take me, uh, in bed. Right. Well, okay. Well, if you could be any animal in bed, like, like, what would your bedroom spirit animal? Woolly mammoth, be? definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get really sleepy and kind of chew, yeah, and then yeah, kill a bunch of Native Americans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why Native Americans. They would have been <laughs> like Neanderthals, <laughs> just well, just randomly, indirectly racist. Okay, I didn't mean to do Indigenous. that. Indigenous. Uh, the yeah, Aborigines. Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know, uh, any animal, like a snail or a, not a wolf, a wolf. I like, I, I do take charge and I like playing around. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a, yeah, a wolf or like a fox maybe. Mm-hmm. Or like a, Ooh, a fox. like a, like a really limber bear. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> See, no, so I'm doing, I want to do to you what she did to me where she called me. Like the minute you said limber fox or like whatever, you, the fox, your like eyebrows started to like do something different. Oh, like a fox. Yeah, yeah, it was like a totally different thing, you know? Like it's exciting to kind of think about those things. Yeah. You know, like, cause I was like my, well, my, cause she asked me, I like really had no idea. I'm like, well, my spirit animal used to be a sloth. Does that count? And she's really? Like, yeah, I used to be really into sloths. My spirit animal is a snowman. Uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, now my spirit animal is John C. Riley. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're just a snowman and John C. Riley hanging out here. <laughs> it's no, the snowman and John C. Riley show. Specifically, the character from Cedar Rapids that he plays. I haven't seen that. Oh, oh yes. That, yes, I did see that. I so forgot funny. that was the name. And yeah, he's really funny in that. Oh, man. He's a real douche. <laughs> real douche. But with a heart of gold. No, with, but mm-hmm. near the end where he's being like, oh, he's more, sweet. Yeah. yeah, and he's all like, the t- be the tiger or whatever. Anyway, it's. I love that man. I don't know if I love that man. I just love that his acting. It's hilarious. Um. Anyway, I don't know. I I couldn't think of male like more like guy like there's the bat- Batman archetype. Oh right, yeah. There's certainly Batman uh, and superheroes in general, uh-huh. and like probably more like. I mean, a lot of like authoritative mm-hmm. type figures would mm-hmm. fit there, like. Uh, Man, I'd love to go for President Bartlett. I would love that. <laughs> what is that Any from? Any West Wing fans out there? Oh, oh man. Toby Siegler? Ziegler. Oh, sorry, West Wing nerds. <laughs> There's got to be at least one listening. There's one guy out there who heard me say President Bartlett and just spat his 100-year-old scotch right out of his mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I enjoyed. Yeah, that would be great. But I realize that when I think about just archetypes that people can... Um, like flow through, I realize that I don't find as many fun options for guys, just like off the top of my head. Although I did get really excited about Doctor Who um, because I realized that Doctor Who, um, the David Tennant uh, character, is like a very sexy, excited, open-minded like archetype. Well, I don't really understand why the archetypes would be necessarily different for men and women. 
you were talking about Alley Cat. Why couldn't a man be that? Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an easier. Th- I guess I was thinking more pop culture, like what male things. Yeah, because then I think like Wolverine or yeah, Wolverine. But, but those are all kind of well. That's like super tough guy. Like, well, they uh, yeah, all those characters are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like strong. Well, Wolverine's different actually, but like strong, you know, in charge, easily men. emotionally triggered. Easily. Well, that would be Wolverine, and then the other one would be Cyclops, and that's probably both. That's both things that you could be. Can I be Gambit? Uh, yeah, Gambit's a good one. Um, you know, listeners, I'm going to crowdsource this. Like, text, uh, text, what am I saying? Text me. The Hulk? Oh, the Hulk? Yeah. I have a friend who... You've made me angry. That's the whole thing. And You've then you made kill, me horny. And then you kill, you've made me horny. And then, you, and then you, like, run into the bathroom and paint yourself green. <laughs> And then, like, run back in, and you can't speak right, but you, like, you fuck like crazy. You just can't stop fucking, but you're just like, oh, I like fuck. Hulk like fuck. No, I, but I don't I don't really like that all of the characters that, that we're just thinking of are all kind of, like, aggressive, uh, gruff-type characters. I think that there needs to be a whole spectrum of different archetypes that, you know, people can kind of flow sure. through. Well, you could be Stephen Hawking. Uh, <laughs> yes, you totally could. You totally, you totally could. It's true. It's true. Um... Wow, um, I just I just think like I guess no I saying. I just thought of like oh I I guess I can be the Stephen Hawking because I totally will lie there and just think uh, intellectually about what's happening to my <laughs> body and like totally not be present to what's going on like oh <laughs> I know that one that one's fun no it's not yeah uh, um, and it's uh, the whole thing happens in a chair so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so t- tweet and Facebook, I go like the sex nerd Sandra page and like throw out some ideas. Like what are some different types of energy roles that, um, people can flow through? Like, let's have some fun with this, you know, Jesus, <laughs> the Jesus role. Yeah. So that's a very just healing. like into it, whatever it is. Yeah. And healing mm-hmm. and understanding Oh, and bleeding. <laughs> oh, are we post crucifixion? <laughs> that's 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 what popped into my head later on in that thought. Yeah, I just there's so many. Anyway, I don't. I just I love what she has to say, and it really did teach me about a whole aspect to sexuality and connection with people that I don't usually think about. And and that's what I love about the show is that constantly sort of expanding our our concepts of what sex and intimacy can be. So I'm really just glad to have shared this with you guys. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Now leaving Nerdist.com.